You're listening to the Money Owners Podcast with Morgan Rochard. Money Owners is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you'd like more information on the podcast, the homework, coaching, and everything else Money Owners has to offer, visit www.moneyowners.com. What is happening, my fellow money owners? I am happy to be with you. And I know this is late. (laughs) I don't even know what to say anymore. Should I start making up excuses like my dog ate my podcast homework? Or um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) The good news is um, my book is out. It came out on October 19th. And I'm currently recording the audio version of the book. So If you're the kind of person who likes to listen to things, um, and given that you're listening to this podcast, maybe the audio version of my book is for you. So stay tuned. I am hoping that that'll be done. Actually, that is like, (laughs) it's one of those things where I thought, okay, I'll just like put 15 hours of um, recording time on my calendar, and then I'll have an audio book. And that's not how it works. Um, So I typically record these in my home. And I only do one take, which is probably obvious from... (laughs) when you listen to this. Um, but there, no, it's like very professional. Uh, I go somewhere and I uh, I have a director and he tells me that um, he doesn't like the way I said certain things. <laughs> He's like, more energy, more feeling. Um, I forget what movie it was. I think it was a, that Bill Murray movie where he was, he went to Tokyo and he was doing that commercial and the guy says all this Japanese um, and he goes on and on and on Japanese. And then the translator turns to Bill Murray and he says, more feeling. <laughs> And that's honestly what I feel like in the studio, because like, you know, after a while, when you're reading um, your own book, first of all, and you're reading it for a while, and then, um, you know, nobody's interrupting you, which I'm kind of used to on this podcast, or I just kind of talk to myself for a while. But it's a little different when you're reading versus what I do here, which is just kind of talking from the top of my head. Talking from the top of your head sounds really natural, whereas reading doesn't. (laughs) Reading, you have to make an effort to make it sound natural. So there's a lot of like, stop, no, redo that. Ah, that's bad. Or I mess up a word and it has to be exact. And it's just, anyways, long story short, that is getting done. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate all the support though on everything. It's been really nice to hear um, the feedback on both the book and the podcast. So if you do like um, what I'm doing, please let me know. I love getting feedback. If you don't like what I'm doing, stop listening to what I'm doing. I don't know what to tell you. Move on. Um, so anyways, I am um, having a child. <laughs> we have a almost three-year-old at home now, and we have another one coming at the end of January. And I had been thinking about doing a podcast on cost of a uh, child for a while. Um, we had our kids episode, which I, I think was 22, but don't quote me on that. And so go back and listen to that one, because that one's like a hodgepodge of all the things, um, really like a high-level all the things on kids. Um, Whereas this is going to dive in specifically to the costs of having a child, like the immediate costs. So maternity, which is, you know, nine months for women and no time really for men. And (laughs) although they're a supportive husband, so I I didn't mean to say it like that. And then labor and delivery, which is, you know, hopefully for most women short, but for a lot of women, it's long and terrible. And then, um, then after your child arrives, so that's what we're going to cover in this podcast. Um, I know for the male listeners out there, maybe some of this stuff might be 
a little too girly for you, but I, I invite you to listen to this because if you um, are thinking about having children or you already have some children and you want to have more kids and you don't really know, like you didn't really think about costs the first time and now you're kind of drowning in costs and you definitely want to have more then this is really a good podcast for you to be listening to. Maybe listen it, to it together with your partner. Um, and for the women out there who are thinking about having children, maybe this will give you an idea of how much it really costs and whether or not all of the things that apply, you know, like all of the Bye Bye Baby ads and everything else that come out there and try to woo you and make you think that you need things. Um, my hope is that you'll gather from this episode that you don't need so much. Um, and that's not to say that we're not guilty of buying all sorts of dumb garbage for our child. We are. Um, <laughs> It's one of my joys in life to spoil my child and then to see his face and do all these things, right? But there's a very big difference between like the things that you need when they're an infant and the things that you want to do for them when they get older. So I think a lot, this actually weaves in really nicely with a lot of the other stuff that we've been talking about because um, it's really always about balancing, right? It's balancing the needs of today with the wants of tomorrow. Um, and having children is very much <laughs> all about balancing the needs of today with the wants of tomorrow. Um, so with that in mind, we'll dive right in. So maternity, right? You've got, you got mostly clothing is what comes into play um, when you are um, pregnant or in the midst of pregnancy. It's usually, especially for first time pregnant women, um, clothing is usually the thing. So um, I think it kind of depends on your body type, what you already have in your closet. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why you might need a lot of clothes or you might need a little bit of clothes. Do, do you go to work? Do you go to work in an office? Do you go to work in an office where people expect you to wear tailored suits every single day? Or do you like work from home like me and nobody gives a crap what you're wearing? <laughs> Because all they see is like your neck and above. So, I mean, there's a, obviously a huge difference between what um, what people might need depending on what they do for a living. Um, there are also some other things that come into play. So pregnancy can be pretty uncomfortable. Um, like I've been seeing a chiropractor every single week since I was about eight weeks pregnant. Um, and I've been doing that for a number of reasons. One, I don't really need an excuse to go to a chiropractor. I kind of like going anyways. Um, but it is actually healthy. It's good for pelvis alignment. Um, it's good to just keep you feeling good during your pregnancy um, to sort out all those little aches and pains. Um, women are generally told to lie on their left side a lot um, because that's best for the baby. But what ends up happening is that you just get like all cramped up on your left side. <laughs> and um, going to a chiropractor is really nice to have. So it's one of those things where if you are some or you have really like, you know, spectacular health insurance, maybe your chiropractor is covered. Usually they're not. Um, so usually that's an out of pocket expense that you have to budget for if that's something that you want to have. Um, same thing with there are other um, tools in your toolkit while you're pregnant, which is like you can go to a pelvic floor specialist, a physical therapist, something like that, if you feel like you need it for other aches and pains and things that are going on. Um, so yeah, those are things to consider in addition to clothing. <laughs> Um, I've seen clothing budgets be anywhere between honestly $500 and, you know, upwards of two to $3,000, depending on what people think that they need. I would say there are ways for you to manage that. So obviously if it's your first time. You're going to need a, a you're going to need a wardrobe. Um, I was like that weirdo idiot who decided to put rubber bands <laughs> on my shorts the first time around. Cause I wanted to see how long I can go before I needed, um, maternity pants. I actually don't suggest doing that <laughs> despite being a financial planner. And I thought I was so cool for saving money. Um, no, it's really freaking uncomfortable. So don't do that to yourself. Just go buy the pants, um, and move on with your life. They're not that expensive. 
<laughs> so there are certain things that are that are you know worth it. Um, and first time around, you will need some clothes. Second, third, fourth, fifth, right, etc. You'll probably be able to rewear stuff, but it also depends on when you're pregnant. So if you have a summer baby the first time, but you have a winter baby the second time, right? The seasons in which you're going to be the most pregnant are going to be different. In which case, you know, for that summer baby, you maybe you needed a couple of bathing suits, whereas for that winter baby, you actually needed a, a winter coat, whereas you probably didn't need that for the other one. So things to keep in mind when you're thinking about the clothing. Um, and I would say the best ways to cut costs on this cell on this specific category regarding clothing is so see what you already have in your clothes, your closet. Um, you probably have some stretchy stuff to begin with. I'm not talking about the pants or doing the rubber band thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like you have cardigans probably in your closet or blazers, but you don't necessarily need to, to button. Um, you have probably maybe some stretchy dresses anyways that maybe you've had them for a while and you don't really mind stretching them out. Um, same thing with like pajama pants. You might have things that you, that are just stretchy and comfortable and that you could wear. So before you go start buying stuff, always look at what's in your closet first. It always is nice to wear the things that you already have, I think, because it makes you just feel kind of more like yourself. <laughs> um, and it is also nice to get some new things because it is an, a nice time in your life where you never really get to do that that often. I mean, unless you're pregnant all the time, like you probably are only going to do it a few times or a couple of times, in which case maybe you do want to just get yourself a few nice things. Um and then uh, the other thing I like to do to cut costs, so those bra extender hooks, um, those were great. They saved me tons of money. Bras are super expensive. Um, and then borrowing items from family is always great. My sister sent me a bunch of stuff, which was super helpful. Um, and I also, I still remember this. So we had to go to a wedding. One of my clients, actually, we went to a wedding, but I was like, I was almost eight months pregnant at the time. I was giant. Um, <laughs> and so I, I rented a dress to save money because I was like, I'm not buying a fancy black tie dress for this thing like that. I'm literally going to wear one. So I rented one and I stretched out this poor rental dress. <laughs> and then I also borrowed um, a coat from my mom. It was like it was open in the front. So it was one of those things where it didn't it didn't zip or button or anything. You just kind of wrapped it around you and it was fancy looking. And so I basically got away with not spending very much money to go to a black tie wedding, whereas you would normally spend quite a bit of money on that. Um, I think these are things right now that people aren't that concerned with because of COVID, right? You're not super worried about going to a black tie wedding maybe right now, but there are other things, right? You're going to go to, I don't know, Christmas parties or with your family or Thanksgiving and you're going to want to look nice and maybe you can borrow things or find a way to make it special without spending too much money and breaking the bank just because you're literally only going to wear it once because you're only going to be pregnant maybe in that season once and that size once. <laughs> so all things to consider. All right. So after maternity, well, maternity, then you go and give birth, right? So there's labor and delivery. There's tons of costs associated with labor and delivery. Um, I want to start with, I don't like the healthcare system. <laughs> I think that's painfully obvious from um, probably from listening to this podcast, also probably from seeing my tweets about how much I hate insurance. Um, and I also feel like this is a topic that isn't really discussed anywhere. Um, it feels like it should be a feminist topic where the woman, like a woman's right to give birth naturally <laughs> is something that women can just do. But apparently that's not something that we really do here in America. So um, if you're listening to us abroad, I know that it's a lot more natural for people who are living in England, let's say, or Australia. Midwives are much more widely recognized. Um, a woman, a woman's right to basically choose how she gives birth is also more widely rec recognized. Whereas here in the States, it's pretty much like 
what do you mean you're not using an OB and delivering in a hospital? What do you mean you're not going to rack up like tons and tons of healthcare related costs for your completely non-medical birth? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I'm biased. Um, and I think you'll see that when we talk about the costs associated with later labor and delivery. So, um, but you know, if you have your heart set on a hospital birth and you want to use your OB, by all means, I believe in your right to choose to do that. I think it's just one of those things where you need to consider whether or not the outcomes associated with doing that is something that you want. Um, what's not discussed about hospital births is that there's a lot of interventions. Um, and the way that they view you giving birth is very different than what a midwife views. So doctors typically are involved because when something goes wrong, right, they have to get the baby out. Um, and what's happened over time is that they are now involved whether or not something has gone wrong. So they kind of have this mentality of like, I got to get the baby out. So what I've often heard and what I also experienced with my first child when I gave birth in a hospital was that you're on a timetable and you have to get the baby out. <laughs> Whereas like they have a plan and you'll see this after they arrive too. They still have a plan after they arrive about when they're going to do things, when they're going to roll over, how much they're going to eat, when they're going to sleep, right? They know what they want to do. Um, and it's sort of a natural thing that we've been doing for millennia. And yet, um, you know, I get that the death rates were higher millennia ago <laughs> um, and things maybe look different, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your body can't do it naturally. Um, so the less interventions that you want, if you really do want to go down that route, then you're probably going to want to look at a birth center or, um, a, an at home birth with a midwife. Um, birthing centers are typically midwife, uh, midwifery as well. Um, some birthing centers are hooked up with OB practices where you can see a doctor and also midwives, um, and you can still deliver in a birthing center. Those are usually closer to a hospital. So there, there are options for sure. Um, and the thing to consider is that if you have health insurance um, and or, or standard health insurance, right, your hospital birth is always going to be covered. That's just kind of that's just kind of the way it is, <laughs> especially since um, Obamacare. Um, if you want to have your baby in a birthing center, it's generally covered, but it's not always covered. So that's one of those things that you ha you have to check. And if you want to have your baby at home with a midwife. Um, it's probably not going to be covered. So there are certain states that will cover it um, guaranteed, which is New Hampshire, New Mexico, New York, and Vermont. Um, but in lieu of those states, it's one of those things where you pay the midwife out of pocket and then you file the claim and you hope for the best. So if you are looking to minimize costs um, and you also have really good health insurance, then I don't know I don't know if you want to go down the home birthing route, even if it's really important to you. It kind of depends on the budget. Um, the birthing center might be a better option in that situation. You also have to take into account the actual cost of labor and delivery. So the problem is that none of these numbers are actually public. <laughs> it's one of those things where you could sort of maybe get a ballpark from your health insurance provider, but you don't really know at the end of the day what the hospital is going to charge. Um, I remember even calling when I was pregnant with, my, with our son and asking and they were like, well, it depends if this happens or that happens or this happens. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're saying right now because I'm a financial planner. I'm not a doctor. None of this makes sense to me. Um, so I'm like furiously taking notes, trying to figure out how much it costs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so these are things to keep in mind. Um, the average cost of a vaginal birth is somewhere between five and $11,000 in most states. Um, C-section could be anywhere between $7,500 and I've seen them be as high as $30,000 in some states. So 
um, really all dependent. Uh, if you are going down the hospital route, lots of interventions end up with a C-section on the, on the whole, um, and C-section rates are pretty high. So that's something to consider too. Um, if let's say for whatever reason you don't have great health insurance, um, hospital birth might not be for you because you might be out of pocket quite a bit, depending on what your plan does and does not cover. It doesn't mean that your birth won't be covered, but you might have a really high deductible or really high out of pocket limits, in which case, you know, you might be paying 50 to, you know, 50% at least of that, um, cesarean births cost. Um, so again, all things that you need to consider and you really need to kind of understand what your healthcare policy does and does not cover. Um, so the average deductible though, that I've seen people have is I also did some research on this, uh, national average deductible is $4,300 for a single person. Um, it's $8,500 for a family. So, um, let's assume that you're, you go into, you go into labor and, um, you don't, it's just you and nobody else in your family actually has health insurance costs at that time. I mean, you have to at least hit the $4,300 deductible. You might even have to hit that $8,500 deductible (laughs) kind of depends on what the plan is doing. Um, you'll also have premiums. So single person premiums on average are $7,000 a year for a family. You're looking at upwards of $20,000 a year. Um, if you work for an employer, some of that might be covered, uh, right. In which case you're not paying all of that, but, I've seen on average um, families paying somewhere between seven and eight thousand dollars a year in, in healthcare costs. So about you know fifty percent of it being covered by their employer, and same thing for a single person. So that's something to consider as well. If you're already paying, or if you're going to be paying, let's say fifteen thousand dollars out of pocket just between the premiums and the deductible, and you haven't even hit any out of pocket limits or coinsurances or anything else that's on your policy, it could get pretty expensive. Um, when you're going through open enrollment, sometimes the nice thing is that if you are actually family planning, you could see which plan is best for you. Sometimes companies offer multiple plans that you can choose from, in which case maybe it does make sense to take a lower deductible plan and maybe have a higher premium knowing that you're going to have these healthcare costs, but you have to do the math on it, right? (laughs) Of like, okay, I'm going to be paying that deductible and these premiums. So how much am I going to be out of pocket when my baby arrives? Um, if you have an unexpected pregnancy, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, if you don't plan, you don't plan. Um, and there's kind of not a whole lot that you could do about it, but all things to keep in mind when you're doing it. The other thing you might want to consider is a doula. Um, we did not do one the first time around. So I still, I still recall this, my sister had a doula and I didn't really ask her any questions about it, but then the doula came afterwards after my first niece was born. And, um, my sister sent me a video of her, like showing the doula showing, um, my sister how to swaddle the baby and, um, which is great and whatever, but I just kind of had in my head, I was like, oh, so like, they just kind of like teach you stuff about your baby. <laughs> and I didn't really like think about anything else that a doula did. So, um, in my head, I didn't need one. Um, we decided to get one this time around. Um, doulas do range anywhere between $700 and $2,000. Um, and so it is a cost. It's something that you would have to include in your budget, like everything else that we've been talking about here. Um, but it might be worth it, um, especially if it's your second time. Maybe you had a C-section the first time and it didn't go as planned. Um, and you want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. You want to try do a trial of labor for a VBAC. Um, doula is something definitely that would be helpful. Um, I also think it would be helpful, though, if you're a first-time parent. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> Um, that was being painfully clear when we went in, when I went into labor with my first, um, and I wish that we had had somebody to rely on or ask questions that besides the doctors who were just like, you know, dying to take our baby out cause they thought it was a medical 
you know, the event, which is not. Um, so, um, yeah, I would, I would say you have to prioritize costs, right? I mean, there, you're going to have all sorts of costs with this baby, including health insurance and everything else. Um, doulas are not covered by health insurance. So it is an out of pocket expense for you. And you're, you know, you have to plan for these things and see if it's something that you can fit in your budget. Um, I would say if you can do it, 100% do it. It's totally worth it. <laughs> um, and you will be a lot happier if you do have one, or at least you'll feel like you did everything that you could to have the birth experience that you wanted to have. Um, I forgot to mention something about maternity, actually, too. Um, when you're buying clothing, another thing that you might want to consider if you're going to um, be nursing your baby versus doing formula um, is getting clothing during maternity that could both be used for nursing and for maternity. That way, you don't have to buy two sets of wardrobes on the other side. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what I was thinking for labor and delivery. Um, and, you know, these things are just, they're unfortunately expensive here in America. Um, I mean, I think I read that, like, Finland, it costs $60 to have a baby or something like that. I mean, I imagine it's, like, you know, totally socialized medicine and, and you pay for it in taxes. But, um, I mean, we also pay taxes here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure what's happening. Um, home births, I've seen them range anywhere between $4,000 and $8,000, um, depending on where you live. Um, and that is probably out of pocket, or at least maybe some of the costs will be reimbursed by your health insurance company um, after the fact. So you have to be prepared to lay out that cash in advance. Um, the advantage to that, though, is that it is cheaper, right? <laughs> uh, although if something does go wrong, right, you're now also adding the cost of a hospital delivery um, to that. Um, but uh, the thing about the midwife versus the OB is like the OB is going to spend five minutes with you. Uh, your midwife is going to spend an hour with you at every single appointment or a half hour to an hour. Um, and they're really going to get to know you and they're going to make you feel comfortable and they're going to answer all your questions. And they're not going to just ask you, hey, how are you? And you say, great, because that's what everyone says when they get asked, how are you? And then the doctor says, OK, great. And they just move on. <laughs> Do you have any questions? No, I'm a first time parent. I don't know what to ask. Oh, okay, great. Okay, shovel you out. Uh, go pee in this cup, right? <laughs> you're there. You're like in the waiting room for an hour and then they see you for six minutes. It's like the most uneventful appointments ever. And yet you have to go every single month and then like every single week at the end, right? It's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would consider how you want to be treated and how you want your experience to be when you decide on a provider. And some of this stuff is Obviously, costs are going to come into play. If you can't afford it, it's a completely different story. But if you can and it's the kind of birth that you want to have, then it might be worth looking into. Alrighty. After baby gets here. Okay, so you don't need that much when they get here. Um, first of all, like, hopefully you live in a place where you can control the heat and the cooling. Um, in which case, when they get home, they don't even need anything other than a diaper. Like, you can literally leave them out in a diaper with like the hat that they got from the hospital on. And then you can put them in a swaddle. Um, I mean, that's not what people do. <laughs> people are always like, how can I dress up my baby? It's so cute. Blah, 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 right. And pictures and this and that. So, um, but yeah, you could take it as far as you want to, or as little as you want to. Um, but really all they need are like, they need diapers, they need burp cloths, they need maybe a blanket. Um, and that's like about it. They don't need a whole lot. Um, that said, that doesn't mean that you're not going to spend money on other things. So, um, let's talk diapers. So generally it's 20 cents a diaper, about two cents a wipe, and it's about eight cents per like use of cream. Um, I would say on average, I mean, you have to be a really good wiper to use only one wipe every single time, but let's say you were a really good wiper. 
<laughs> you spend 30 cents on average then per diaper change. If you if you change a diaper on average seven times a day for the first year, you're looking at, you know, somewhere between $750 and $765 per year in um, costs for diapers. Um, I always hear from people, oh, diapers are so expensive. And yeah, the number does sound high. I mean, you can get cloth ones, you can wash them, you can get a service. I mean, you could do all sorts of things. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, you decided to have a child. <laughs> they need diapers. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like there, that's kind of, there's kind of no way around that one. Um, and yeah, it can be cheaper if you're willing to do all the cloth washing. Um, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> If you, if you want to do that, all power to you. If you're going to use a service because you want to use cloth diapers, um, you should really be thinking about that. I've heard people, they're doing that because of the environment and everything else. They use extremely hot. Like, I don't know what you think that they're doing on the other side. They're going to use extremely hot water. They're going to use a lot of it because there's poop literally on cloth. They have to get poop out of cloth and then send that back to you. Okay. So it's not like there's some magical thing happening here whereby, um, you know, the environment is being saved. Yes, I get that they're not going to be in a landfill, but they're, you're also using like a lot of electricity and a lot of water to get the poop out of the diaper. So um, I think if you're doing it for environmental reasons, you might want to think twice about that. If you're doing it because you want to potty train your child earlier, I mean, I don't know why you have such high expectations for your child when they're just born. Um <laughs> Maybe think about that part of it, but you know, you do you. Um, clothing, I see people on average spend $60 a month that you can make that way cheaper. You can make that way more expensive. The way to make that cheaper, obviously, get some hand-me-downs, buy some used stuff. Don't buy such, you know, nice clothing all the time for your child. Um, most of the time, they're literally, especially when they're really young, lying on the floor doing nothing or sleeping. Um, and I, I found like I, people bought us stuff. Like I didn't go out of my way to buy expensive stuff for Alex, but people bought us nice things and it just didn't get worn. Cause like he would like spit up all the time after he ate. And like, I, I just didn't want to do all the laundry and it was just easier to like put him in an outfit that had the feet on it so that I didn't have to worry about losing the socks, you know? Um, <laughs> There were just so many things where, like, if I had to, like, do a shirt and pants and socks and a hat and all that, you know, it was just, it was just way too much for me, especially as a first-time parent. So, um, I found that, like, my child just lived in those zip-up, like, the onesie zip-up um, things with the feet on it. And that made my life just so much easier. And because of it, he had a lot of clothing that, like, he maybe wore once. And I just feel badly. People spent money on it and there was really, you know, nothing that we could do about it. Um, I guess I could have gone and returned it to get something else, but gosh, it's really hard in those first few months. <laughs> um, anyways, so yeah, I would say take hand-me-downs if you can get used, if you can get on those mom boards, there's lots of them. They're, they're on Facebook. Some of them are on like Yahoo groups. Even I was in one, um, you can get all sorts of stuff used or free. You just have to kind of, you know, be looking out for it. Um, and you can also post what you need. Um, people are actually really generous. You'd be surprised. Um, I didn't do that very often, but like I would see people post stuff. And if we had things that we weren't using anymore that I knew we weren't going to use the next time, I absolutely gave it away. Cause I was like, you know what? Like you make use of it, you know, uh, good for you for trying to, <laughs> to save some money. Um, so yeah, then there's all the other stuff, the gear, the stuff that they're advertising to you that you have to buy, um, the ridiculously expensive strollers that we talked about on one other episode, right? Um, the, like the gear goes on and on and on. Um, 
I think one stat I read said that it was like on average people spent $2,700 on new gear for their kids in the first year of life. Um, and I believe that. <laughs> I have seen some crazy budgets. Um, I would say there are ways around that, right? Like buy used, take hand-me-downs, do everything you can. Um, your kids are going to destroy it anyways. So I don't know why people think that it's better if your kids destroy it versus somebody else's kids destroying it. Um, at the end of the day, as long as it's in reasonable condition um, and you clean it and uh, it's not something weird, like, I don't know if I would take somebody's potty or something like that, but like, or mattress, but maybe a stroller is probably fine. A high chair, even like a clean high chair is fine. Um, you can go to these secondhand stores where you can buy some of these things used. Craigslist has all sorts of deals still to this day. I'm always blown away by what you can find on there where you could really just cut costs. Um and you can sell the stuff later if it's still in good condition. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's all stuff to consider if you're trying to minimize costs when having a child. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was childcare. So I wish I could just give you a price for this, but they seriously range depending on where you live, what state you're in, uh, what part of the state you're in, right? Like if you live in upstate New York, it's going to be really different than if you live in New York city. Um, same thing with parts of California, right? There are going to be the cities of California that are really expensive. Whereas the rural areas of California are going to be a lot cheaper. So even getting an average cost for a state like California is not really going to help you haul a whole lot. You really have to get it more locally. Um, the average, the national average though is $10,000 a year to put that into perspective. So I know some people are like rolling their eyes at their, at that number. If you're living on some of these coastal states where you're just like, what the heck are you talking about? $10,000. <laughs> um, and, and I, I hear that it might not be realistic in your state. Um, DC actually, Washington DC has the highest costs. Um, and they average $25,000 a year in DC. So, um, that might just be because it's such a local area <laughs> that maybe when they do these state averages or they don't actually get like the local city average or whatever. So that was something that came to mind for me. Um, but yeah, if the average is $25,000 a year, I mean, you, you I, I'm sure that there are Congress people and senators paying, you know, $75,000 a year to their nannies. But um, <laughs> so that was something I, I was thinking about. But the thing to keep in mind with child care is that you always need to do the after-tax cost. Um, so, I'm sorry, you need to do the pre-tax cost, not the after-tax cost. The after-tax cost is what they quote you. The pre-tax cost is what it actually costs you. So when you think to yourself, okay, I'm only going to spend $10,000 a year in childcare and I make $50,000 a year, that doesn't, that doesn't sound so bad. Um, it's not that. <laughs> so um, the numbers I ran for this was, let's say you make $65,000 a year and you pay on average about 20% in taxes between your... Um, between your federal rate and then also Social Security, Medicare, FICA, all those other ones. Um, if you're paying $15,000 a year for childcare, then what you need to do is divide that $15,000 number by one minus your tax rate or 20%, which is 0.8. So you take 15,000, you divide it by 0.8, and then you get $18,750 per year. Okay, so that's what you're actually paying in pre-tax dollars. You can actually do this for every single one of your expenses. Um, I kind of like doing this for people when they really are spending a lot of money where you're like, okay, this is what you're spending on an after-tax basis and this is what it is on a pre-tax basis and people's minds are like blown. They're like, oh, that's why I can't save any money. I'm like, yeah, that's why you can't save any money. <laughs> um, anyways, so... Yeah, if you think about it though, right? If you make 65 grand a year and you're spending $18,750 per year also on child care and pre-tax dollars, 
that's nearly 30% of your pre-tax income. Um, so if you're paying 20% in taxes and 30% in childcare, right? And then maybe you're also hopefully only spending 20% or less on um, your housing expense, but right away, that's 70% of your budget. You haven't saved a thing. You haven't eaten. You haven't clothed your kid. You haven't anything. Um, so some of these things are unavoidable, right? Like you have to work. You have to be able to put food on your table. You have to be able to um, you know, pay your mortgage or pay your rent or do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, some of these things are not. Um, some of these things are, okay, maybe you need to rethink how you're working. Um, how many hours you're working, how many days a week you're working, whether or not maybe you don't put some your child into uh, childcare full time. If you're able to somehow get a parent or a friend or a sister or brother to watch your child every now and then to cut on childcare costs. Um, there are also like co-ops and other shares that you can do and look into. There are cheaper options um, for daycare. Daycare is usually cheaper than a nanny. Um, but it might not be if you only work part time um, and you only need a nanny, let's say eight hours a week. But like they're going to charge you, you know, a thousand dollars a month at a, um, a child care facility. It might actually make sense for you to just do the nanny for the hours that you need. Um, so these are all things that you unfortunately have to do the math on. <laughs> I know I'm always telling you to do the math and you're like, can you just do it for me? Um, but yeah, without knowing your situation, I unfortunately can't. So um Alrighty. Well, that's kind of all I had for this week's episode of Money Owners. If I missed something, I missed a cost, then you tell me what you wanted to hear about having a child. <laughs> um, I hope if you were a man listening to this um, that you got something out of it. Um, obviously if you're a single man listening to this and you're not looking to have children anytime soon, maybe this was the episode to skip. Um, <laughs> and if you want to hear something else, then send me a topic. I don't know what to tell you anyways. Um, so I am so grateful for everybody who listens to the show. If you like the show, please leave me a review. Um, please tell a friend, tell a parent, tell everybody, you know, um, buy my book. I would love for you to buy my book. If you like the podcast, then you're going to love the book. It's like the podcast times a million. And you also get to like fumble through it and, you know, reference things that you want to reference all the time. So, um, yeah. And um, if you have a question that you'd like to have answered live on the show or you have a topic that you specifically want me to talk about, then find me on Twitter at Morgan with an E Rochard or at money underscore owners, or you can um, send me a note on my website. And I also offer free consultations if you are looking to do some coaching, financial coaching with me. So you can also find that on moneyowners.com. And I will talk to you um, <laughs> hopefully in two weeks, but probably in a month. Okay, bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Money Owners Podcast. As a reminder, Money Owners LLC does not provide investment advice. It is also not a tax advisor, and Morgan Rochard does not provide tax advice or tax preparation. Money Owners LLC is also not a law firm, and Morgan Rochard is not an attorney. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will tune in again for our next show.